You might have seen these videos out of Brooklyn and wondered what to make of them. They were shot about a week and a half ago in the center of New York City's new red zones, places where the coronavirus has been spreading rapidly. In them, young Orthodox Jewish men and boys fill the street wearing traditional hats. Some are honking car horns. Others are waving Trump banners. The scene feels like a party, but with a dark edge to it. There's one video of a few men forming a circle and dancing. But another video shows men lighting a fire in the middle of the street and burning masks. You live you live in Borough Park, right? Right. How long have you lived there? 18 years. Jacob Kornblue is a reporter for the Jewish Insider, lives a few blocks from these protests. He's in a few of these videos, which is why I was hoping he could decode them for me. Can you tell me how the night started for you? I was just walking on the avenue trying to observe the scene. I tried being on the side of the street, not trying to draw any attention or, you know, uh, try to make people notice me just because I knew the situation is very tense. Jacob was trying not to make himself obvious because he knew this crowd might not like the kind of reporting he's done. He's been a staunch defender of masks and social distancing. And part of the reason this crowd had gathered was to protest all that. I mean, you've covered your community for many years. It Mm -hmm. sounds like what you're saying is this protest felt different to you. Yeah. I mean, we are a very calm community, very insular. Also, we have never seen scenes like that. I mean, burning of masks, uh, stopping traffic, uh, you know, engaging in violence. Uh, This is not what the community really is. And then, after the dancing, after the honking, the crowd turns on Jacob. They back him up against a brick wall. They spit on him, kick him. One reporter who was watching this scene said Jacob was lucky to be alive when it was all over. The men who confronted you kept calling you this name, Moiser. Can you explain what that means? Um, That's a, a term for a snitch, a person who informs the government about violations that happens within the community. Uh, This is the harshest term you can imply on a person. Um, The consequences is that you can basically get rid of him. You can do whatever you want um, because he's not any more part of this community. When you heard that word, did an alarm ball go off for you? Well, I've heard that word um, since early April. Huh. About you? Yeah, since I first starting re- started reporting about um, social distancing violations. Today on the show, when taking a stand in your community means making yourself a target. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. 
This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The protests this month in Borough Park started because some residents were opposed to new state-imposed restrictions. As COVID rates crept up in the insular Hasidic community this fall, the mayor, then the governor, decided on strict measures to stop the spread in the so-called red zones. Schools got shut down. So did businesses. But Jacob says it's important to understand what this community's been through to understand the way their frustration seems to have boiled over. Early on in the pandemic, the Orthodox Jewish community was hit especially hard. Hundreds of people died or were hospitalized. And when the initial lockdowns went into place in the spring, people largely obeyed the rules. People saw the amount of fatalities. People saw that a lot of members, and especially prominent uh, members of, of the community, were dying. It was devastating. People were in a state of a shock. In this community, you actually know each other because we live together, because we are relatively uh, grow up together and know each other's surroundings. So it was young members in the community who lost their lives, which was devastating because they left six, seven, eight, nine kids and a wife uh, at home. But it was also everybody has a family member who was sick. Everybody had somebody who knew somebody else whose grandfather or grandmother uh, passed away or father or mother. And therefore, it was actually a collective understanding that this is very serious. But as the weather got warmer and the city and the community seemed to recover, people retreated to their political corners. For some in the Orthodox Jewish community, that meant listening and following the rhetoric coming out of the White House. In the Orthodox community, an overwhelming majority supports Trump and follows his guidance. And therefore, there was number one a lax in people wearing masks and keeping social distance. But it was also the view of that coronavirus has moved on and that it's okay if you get sick because the more people who get sick, you are basically immune. That drove people to actually resume daily lifestyle, resume services, weddings. It was in the spring and summer when Jacob first began hearing himself referred to as a moiser. A flyer went around accusing him and others of betraying their community by encouraging Jewish people to limit group prayer. One of the strongest voices advocating for a return to normal life was a man named Heshi Tischler, a conservative radio host who happens to be running for city council. It seems to me, looking back, that as the lockdowns got more draining, Heshi Tischler sort of emerged, this local community leader, and seemed to almost sense an opportunity do you think that's a fair characterization? Absolutely. Uh, he ran for city council in 2017. He wanted to run for state assembly in 2018. 
he reemerged when he saw, you know, community leaders who did not serve as a voice to those who were frustrated with the lockdown restrictions. Yeah, I saw these this video that he made where he gets bolt cutters to mm-hmm. open a playground and children rush in. It's really dramatic. We're going to open this park. Quiet, everybody. We're going to open the park. Yeah! Now, I want you to know, Mr. Mayor, you keep screaming that I'm damaging your property. I just unscrewed the bolt. I didn't damage it. You can come and pick up your stupid chain anytime you want. If you want, you can come. He took the initiative of trying to be the guy who's going to save the community from de Blasio and Cuomo's rule. And at some point, the lawmakers representing the community had to join him because they were seeing how popular he's become. Hold it, they joined him? Yes. So would they come with him when he went to open up a park? Yeah, they did did press availabilities. And then he, you know, had this uh, machine, broke up the locks, and they were all standing there for a photo op. That's, it's impressive, someone who's able to redirect the spotlight to themselves so efficiently. I mean, our listeners may not be familiar with him, so I want to do a little bit of 101. I feel like we should say out loud that Heshi Tischler is not a faith leader, but he is part of the Orthodox community. And so I, I wonder how faith leaders see him. Well, he's he's charismatic, he's very loud voiced, and he had people follow him who actually motivated him to uh, engage in even further disobedience. He was basically the savior. He was the guy who confronted city agents, elected officials, and he gained a following, and it didn't necessarily be noticed until he actually drew attention to the community by his violent acts, which brought the media to report about it and actually, you know, pick on the wrong people to attack. Hmm. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you noticed his rise, because it seems like you have a fairly or have had a fairly personal relationship with him. Like you could WhatsApp him if you wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a personal relationship. I just knew him. um, And because I was a member of the media within the community, I actually know all the players. And I actually have them all on speed dial. Um, (laughs) It was not, you know, my intention to engage with him on a a personal level. We just knew each other. And when we used to meet each other on the street, we used to greet each other and talk and engage about, you know, the politics. Here and there, I used to obviously chat with him, uh, exchange text messages on WhatsApp. Because he uh, published all these videos on his status every day, I was basically sometimes commenting on the rhetoric that he engaged in, telling him to tone it down. Tischler's rhetoric began getting sharper last month when the City Department of Health announced that COVID rates were beginning to rise in Orthodox neighborhoods. Tischler said the authorities were singling Jewish people out. He even interrupted a press conference called the scientists liars. Your reports are lies. You are lying and I will not allow the lies to be given out. So it was actually a few days after de Blasio announced the spike in cases. So people were surprised because it was 
suddenly announced that you know certain neighborhoods have a spike in cases and immediately you know the community felt they were singled out but it was also then that uh, mr tischler said you know what here they come again he basically seized that opportunity to prove himself once again that he is out there to save the community from de blasio and uh, his officials I don't care what you say my name is heshi tischler and you will see the new sheriff in town we'll be making changes in the city we won't elect you to torture our citizens especially you you pizza garbage you're the first one i want fired i could talk to anybody what next we'll be right back the future of america is in your hands this is not a movie trailer and it's not a political ad but it is a call to action. I'm Mila Atmos, and I'm passionate about unlocking the power of everyday citizens. On our podcast, Future Hindsight, we take big ideas about civic life and democracy and turn them into action items for you and me. Every Thursday, we talk to bold activists and civic innovators to help you understand your power and your power to change the status quo. Find us at futurehindsight.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. I wonder if we can talk about why the Orthodox community may have been particularly upset as cases began to rise in the fall, because I think a lot of people all over the country have felt hemmed in by coronavirus restrictions. But the fall is traditionally the holiest of times for the Jewish community. Was that part of the rising frustration? Absolutely. Um, I believe that it took government about four weeks to actually inform the community there's an uptick in cases, which is unfortunate. Yeah, that seems like a long time. Right, because there was a, they actually had a period of two or three months to actually educate the community about the virus, trying to encourage mass testing even though people were not feeling sick. And I believe also that if people were going to get tested, it would show an accurate sample of the positive rate. Here they were relying on 150 or 200 tests a day, which is, you know, really uh, not an accurate sample of what the rate is in the community. But, you know, weddings um, took place and there was reports of one wedding that had 16 cases. And that was in the summer? Yes, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is that the government should have seen this coming. And if they'd acted faster, they might not have run into the high holy days as a time when they were more likely to have conflict. I also believe that if they acted earlier, maybe we wouldn't have seen this uptick. Again, I'm not saying that uh, it's the sole responsibility of the government to make sure there's that... um, People are not getting sick. Obviously, it's the collective responsibility of every individual. But I believe that the community only became aware the first time about this in a press conference where the Blasio spoke to members of the media, not to the members of the community. Hmm. The community felt, number one, they're being singled out uh, by the Blasio and Cuomo uh, using the term ultra or orthodox Jews when it's a pretty diverse neighborhood. Some of the complexity in the enforcement here, especially with members of the uh, ultra-Orthodox community, they have never 
complied with the rules. I can really understand why the community reached a boiling point, given everything you've just said, where it sounds like the administration doesn't look great. Certainly, someone like Heshi Tischler was able to kind of exacerbate that and fan those flames. And then, of course, we get to the night where you were attacked. You are my soldiers! We are at war! This is not what the community is. We are not at war, not with the government or against coronavirus restrictions, because our objective is to save lives. And it's not fair for those people in the community who are actually frustrated at the imposition of certain limits and restrictions that they are being represented by somebody who engages in violence. I mean, I read that you messaged him that what he's doing was a desecration of God's name. Correct. What did he say to you? Well, that's what led him to say, you're next, I'll bring you down, you're a rat. Mr. Cornbluth, right here, this rat, you understand where rats belong. I'm not telling you anything, I'm not threatening you. I tweeted at the time that this could bring to violence. I just didn't know that it would be so severe that if I would have walked on the street, that I would be attacked by people who think that my blood is just, you know, In those videos that show the attack on Jacob, it is Tischler who is telling his followers to call Jacob a moiser. He's strutting through the street in a white button-down shirt with a blue Trump bumper sticker stuck to his chest. When I look at the videos from when you were attacked, I think a lot of people would be struck by the sight of all these young Orthodox men carrying Trump flags because it's not the cliché of a Trump Mm -hmm. supporter— And you've said that, you know, Trump is very popular in the Orthodox community. I'm I'm wondering if you can explain how Trumpism connects with with this insular religious group. I think the fact that there's a distrust in secular authorities, that there's a distrust in media at large, that uh, Trump represents that. Um, He... Uh, doesn't trust his own government. He doesn't. He attacks the media. So they feel that, number one, once they became engaged in the political process, that he actually represents them, there is a voice for them. But also because traditionally, uh, most members in the community vote on a national level for Republicans, that they felt that this was also a political issue, that whatever Trump says is holy, whatever Trump says, this is this is the fact, and those experts who are trying to disagree with with him are actually trying to harm us. And so because it was so easy to uh, trust the president because he's um, head of uh, the country and seeing that if it's okay for him, it's okay for us as well, I think there was also the aspect of, you know, him gaining also a traditional following where people do not really care what the norm is. Uh, They can engage in any sort of uh, character assassination just because it's okay in today's political world. That's what led people to to, uh, send hate, hate mail against me, to call me a snitch, just because it's fine, it's okay to 
you know, spread uh, this information about a person, spread rumors, and actually, uh, in the end, attack him. So you think Trumpism has created a space that puts someone like you at much greater risk? Absolutely. I mean, watching from my apartment, seeing Trump flags in a protest against me and the chants being said there, I mean, it wasn't a, a scene that I wanted to see, but it was also people hijacking that message and trying to uh, bring everything together. Again, the fact that we are weeks away from an election, but also the fact that Trump is treated as a superhero within the community, I think everything combined uh, with the lead of Mr. Tischler, uh, that these scenes uh, would um, come to light. Heshi Tischler was arrested a few days after Jacob was attacked. That same night, a crowd of his followers surrounded Jacob's apartment, daring him to come out. Good morning, Jacob. We're all waiting for you. I mean, we've mentioned that that Heshi Tischler is running for city council. Is is that yeah, a and, and he's running in a Democratic primary? Okay, mm. <laughs> where people are um, complaining and accusing the Democrats uh, of doing this, uh, and he is actually running in a Democratic primary for a seat that is only going to be won by a Democrat, probably, but also in a city council that is, you know, controlled by Democrats. Does he have a chance? Again, uh, we didn't know if Trump had a chance or any other populist leader around the world um, because he's tapping into a certain uh, frustration and anger within the community against establishment. Uh, yeah, the fear is that by doing this, he's gaining a large following. People are believing what he's saying and are following um, are following him. Whatever he's saying is holy. Whatever he's saying is what is really happening. And they're not getting the other side. But I do believe that it is the responsibility of community leaders, of responsible people, to actually stand up and say, he does not represent us. This is not the way we go around with business. This is not the way we look at this serious uh, situation and we do not uh, support him and we would not uh, give him uh, a voice uh, to actually become uh, our representatives. It is a responsibility of uh, our elected officials, of our community leaders to actually speak out, especially when a member of their own community was unsafe in his neighborhood. It sounds like you don't think your community leaders have done enough. I mean, just look at what happened hmm. and look at who is being portrayed as a hero and who is being uh, portrayed as evil, as a rat, as a snitch. Jacob Kornblue, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on with you, and I really look forward uh, to engaging with you and your listeners. Jacob Kornblue is a national politics reporter, a Jewish insider. One more thing before we go. Coronavirus infection rates do appear to be slowing in Jacob's neighborhood and others that seem to be showing a spike in COVID cases. But Borough Park is still considered a red zone. Thank you.
And that's the show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, Daniel Hewitt, and Elena Schwartz. We are led each and every day by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. I'm Mary Harris. We'll be back here tomorrow with more What Next.